0: Hello, and welcome to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. So glad you have decided to join us once again today. If you've been tracking with us, we have been going through a series on the fascinating, life-altering Word of God, trying to encourage you and equip you to get the most out of the Word, where it changes your life, where you're, as the title says, fascinated with it. We've talked about uh, hermeneutics. We've talked about some really good, important things. We'd love for you to go back and Uh, Check out those previous podcasts that we've done. We're going to continue the series for 12 weeks, talking about some things that at the end of it, here's just a scripture verse that I have in mind that I believe... Would be the purpose of why we're having these podcasts is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting to read in verse 10, and we'll read through verse 11. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So you can say that about everything that's happening, not only in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and half of chapter 2, but you can say that really for all of Scripture. These are the things revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything. And here's the part I really want to get to. Even the depths of God, or another translation says, even the deep things of God, we we would love for you to have a new experience in reading, understanding, discerning the Word of God. And that new experience would be such a way that the power of God would come through the reading of the Word where you're beginning to discern, uh, experience Fall in love with the deep things of God. Who He is, what His nature, what His character is like. Um, to, to know Christ. One, one uh, early Puritan writer said, uh, "If you don't know the Scriptures, you don't know Christ." And uh, this, this is this is about the knowledge of Christ. It's not just an intellectual um, pursuit of information, but it is a, a pursuit of Jesus. And so, I'm joined by uh, Jock. A doctor, I was gonna start calling you, but not quite yet. Jo- soon to be doctor, uh, Joshua West. Thrilled to have him with us. He truly is a, a man of the word. Uh, Joshua and I are both sort of, uh, you know, there are uh, there are sports guys, and there are car guys. Uh, we just believe we're we're kind of Bible guys. We just really believe that the word of God is uh, is what gives us the life to to know Christ and to experience him and walk in him. So uh, we'll be talking about homiletics today. So thanks, Josh, for joining us. Glad you're with us again today as a
1: co-host. Glad to be here. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, not only do I like doing these, but the sort of conversational uh, platform we do these through, it's really great to like talk through these things um, and, there's just things you uh, uncover in a conversation that you don't when it's just you. And so I hope that the other people benefit from our conversation the same way that I benefit from our conversations Uh, because we have them sometimes with cameras on and we have them in your office sometimes, just the two of us or uh, me, you and, you know, John Bailey or, you know, Mark Renfro or, or whatever. So uh, it's, uh, it's a joy to be able to talk about, in my opinion, the most important thing. And that's uh, God and His Word and uh, His revelation to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I believe a lot of uh, parishioners uh, or people that maybe attend a conference, they hear the, the preacher and certainly glean from it and are blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through that word. Um, but I've often wondered, like, I wonder how many people would love just to kind of come into the we call the green room, you know, where the pastor's right. going to meet afterwards. And, you know, if there's a conference and some, you know, well-known or just true men of God, or the keynote speakers, you know, just to go and hear what they're talking about, you know, about stuff that they've just read. And that's kind of what, not that we're keynote speakers or anything like that, but just, um, <clears throat> you know, the Lord's, through our, our history with God, has given us hopefully some things to say. Amen. And today we're talking about homiletics. Don't tune out when you hear that word homiletics, because if you know anything about homiletics, you probably start thinking about, it's the sermon preparation and the, and the delivery of your sermon and you might be thinking to yourself well I, i'm not a preacher that's that's up to you guys mm-hmm. uh, but everyone preaches Every, there's a father uh, preaches to his kids and spouses preach to one another not necessarily in the f- sermon format but certainly in in you know just sharing life with one another and you know you wake up in the morning and have a short devotional time and then just go tell your wife, like, hey, I was reading this and it says this. And I know you do that a lot with your wife. And yes. You're going through even aren't you even going through like systematic theology together?
1: Yes, we are.
0: How many chapters is that book? Is it like a um, like hundred and something, isn't it's it? It's a lot
1: of a lot of chapters. Yeah. We're not, we're not uh, you know, pressing real hard. We're we're actually in the section, the beginning of uh we're in Grudem's uh systematic theology, and it the whole, you know, first several chapters are about the word of God and and God revealing himself through the scripture and and just in case anybody, you know, listening thinks, oh, my goodness, he's making his wife do systematic theology. She actually is the one who, <laughs> who asked me to do it, you know, yeah. to do it together with her. So I love it. And, you know, for her, I think it's wanting to be able to rightly divide the word of truth and, and the doctrines of God, because, um, you know, even as a stay-at-home mom, she interacts with people. She, um, you know, is evangelizing. And and most importantly, I think that we always think externally, but it's also so that we can rightly apply the word of God to ourselves which should be the first and foremost mm-hmm. um meaning you know the as a pastor if you're if you're not applying God's word to yourself you're probably not preaching it very well yeah. because it's it's humbling to apply it to yourself it's encouraging to apply it to yourself it's transformative to impli- uh, to apply it to yourself and uh you know a person who um actually has a handle to some degree on what God's word does, not only in in thought, but how it's worked out in their lives. Um, We'll preach it and teach it with more passion. And that'll be you speaking in a conference, or that'll be some guy talking to his coworker, why his life is different and why he conducts himself different. And both things are equally as important. Yeah.
0: This topic will help people communicate the gospel more clearly, sharply, in focus, Concisely, mm-hmm. uh, it will also uh, keep people from um, from error. Really, just just like, saying the wrong things and you know, communicating in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Third, I would say it would keep people from, or, or not keep people, but give the people the ability to be like the Berean to mm-hmm. see if these things are so or not. So, yes. if you understand mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a proper misuse, uh, an improper use of Scripture. You know, you can discern that. You don't have to be critical or go up to your passion. Hey, you said that, and that was, right. you know, that that wasn't really what that means. So, but nonetheless, you have that ability to. It, it sharpens your your discernment. You know that mm-hmm. that, that scripture talks about that. But ex- exercising your discernment, it doesn't just say get it as a spiritual gift. It's right. something that is <clears throat> it grows in us. And I so, completely uh, agree. So I, I would say the homiletics couldn't help us <clears throat> in in all those ways. Uh, take a moment to define. What we mean when we actually just use the word homiletics? What does that mean?
1: Sure. So you know, if you if you were to look it up, um, most of the time it would probably say the art or um, discipline of preaching is what it what it would say. But if you got past that and looked at some other definitions, it's it's more about organizing thoughts and concepts so that you can convey them to somebody else. And so it doesn't necessarily have to do with preaching in this context. Um, it has to do with preaching to some extent. But one of the things I always like to say when I would preach to, you know, the congregation and the people that we used to pastor, you know, when I was preaching through the pastoral epistles, you know, I would caution them when I'm talking about the qualifications for a biblical pastor or the, the things pastors need to do that, you know, Paul wrote to Titus or Paul wrote to Timothy is that don't think about this like, oh, well, I'm not a pastor, so this doesn't apply to me. No, if you're a Christian, you're going to have a pastor. And if you're a Christian, you should have a ministry. And it's important for you to homiletically think through how you witness to people, how you communicate the truth of God. And one of the ones you said in the beginning of this podcast is often overlooked and probably the most important one. And that's discipling your wife and your kids. You know, this idea of how do you effectively communicate the truth to them. And so, before you talk about homiletics, just backtracking a little bit, one of the things we have to establish is you have to have solid exposition of the Bible. You have to understand the Bible contextually. You have to apply the hermeneutical principles. You have Those things are so set in stone. But when you get to homiletics, there really is, or delivery or presenting, there really is a lot of nuance. You can never do practical application and explanation um, that that degrades or um, undermines the truth of the message. And if you really care about the message and the God who sent the message, that wouldn't be your desire anyway. Um, if you're trying to communicate something else to them using the Bible, that's something different altogether. But when I'm explaining, you know, as I am started late in life with parenting, you know, me and my wife were married for, you know, over 10 years before we had our first son. And so, you know, I'm learning, right now my son's not even 2 and we're we're catechizing him we're you know teaching him questions who created you and he he says god and these things will build into something as he gets older but my homiletic my the del- method of delivery to my son um is going to have to to change as i as he gets older right. and i think that's why it's important because not only will you always, if you're a Christian, you will be part of a biblical church. It's a commandment in the Bible. So you need to make sure that you're subjecting yourself, like you said, in a discerning manner of preachers who who are delivering God's Word in, in, in a way that has integrity and biblical continuity. But secondly, every Christian is a minister. All of us should be sharing our faith, and we need to do it in a way that's uh, cohesive, that's concise, that's understandable. Um, and that's not trying to put pressure on the average Joe person to say that, hey, you need to be some great communicator. But I think the importance of the message dictates that we pay attention to these things.
0: Yeah, so I think we've made it clear, and rightfully so, that a lay person should follow what we're about to teach here, but we don't want to exclude the pastors that are listening to us as well. We want to encourage pastors to see this art and skill and gift of the Spirit functioning 100%, you know, all out, just, you know, and uh, I think certain people have been given different levels of gifting when it comes to this. Right. But all of us can can grow and, and get better at the skill and, yes. and the craft of, of preaching and preparing for the sermon. So, um, yeah, so I, I just have a few, I have a few notes that I, I, I made here just in preparation of this podcast. Um, notice that the, the word, just the... The original word comes from homily, which is an old English word that you know back in the day, probably 1500, 1600s, they would use that word for that that meant sermon. Uh, that, that's that the that languages shift a little bit, so it's the it's the practice of preparing and preaching the sermon, preparing yes. and preaching the sermon, um, and it's uh it is, it's it's it's, it's it is, even though we talked about it in layperson terminology, it, it is primarily, I would say, for pastors Definitely. and Bible teachers. That, mm-hmm. That's so we want to talk about. And the, the first area, uh, I think it consists of, if, if we're going to talk about, the end result is you bringing the Word of God alive to uh, either an individual or a group of people. How do you do that? So the first area, I think, would be, Things we talked about already: uh, how to interpret Scripture, how to understand what it means to get to get the the riches to to, to suck the marrow from the life of the bones of all these past passages of Scriptures that we're we're looking at. And so it's a, so that homiletics has to do a lot with uh, study. It's probably a little different than hermeneutics and uh, exegesis, and other than that, in that you're actually now taking your studies and starting to put it in a format that can be spoken out to clearly. Uh, to other people, so, but I think that that the study of it. Let's take a few minutes just to talk about uh, the preparation of of a message. What 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 do you do when you're getting ready to put a say say you have to preach in two weeks and you want to prepare a sermon? What what ingredients do you put in?
1: So I think you know one of the most important things about homiletics. Before I, I answer that question is just to realize that the real sort of root of it is the not magic of it, but the sort of effectiveness of it is really in how you prioritize and organize things. You could say something very important in a very disjointed way, you know, and not explain why or how or, you know, um, draw the lines together, and you could say something that's very true that was not very well understood. And so the idea of organizing things in order of importance. And so obviously, um, you know, as a person who preaches every single week, um, I'm, I'm preaching through books of the Bible. But, you know, when we preach at conferences, um, you know, I first thing I do is I seek the Lord and I pray that God would, you know, maybe put a text in my heart or in my path that that He would want to communicate to His people. Right. But, but after that being said, um, that, that I want to, you know, yield to God, um, the most important thing for me is is making the most important thing the most important thing. This yeah. isn't a dogma that I'm about to say, <laughs> but the way I preach every time I preach is by reading a text of scripture. Because you know, as a I don't even I don't want to misquote who said this. Maybe it was Martin Lloyd Jones. Who it was jo, Martin Lloyd Jones in a book called Preaching and Preachers. He said even if you if you get everything wrong that you said when you preached. If you read the text aloud, at least you got one thing right. (laughs) And so for me, all tongue-in-cheekness aside, um, I want to give preeminence to God's Word. I want to proclaim God's Word because preaching first and foremost, before we think about any practical applications or what it accomplishes or that people will be saved by it or that we'll be conformed to the image of Christ, preaching in and of itself first and foremost is proclamation, that's why we don't apologize for hard texts in the scripture or how they affect the culture. That's why we don't shy away from this is the word of God. So when I preach, the very first thing I do in formulating my sermon is I'm going to I'm going to speak a text of scripture and then I'm going to pray that God would do something that I can't do. Um, that his spirit would draw people that he his spirit, God's spirit would enlighten his word to his people. I even pray this often That, uh, that thing, maybe something I have wrong that will be, that I say foolishly or, um, just because I'm not educated enough that God would quickly remove that from the hearer's ear. And then I proceed to get into what I've organized, organized from my exposition, my hermeneutics. And now I'm going, I'm trying to give that out. So that's more of a, a, peripheral to what I do. I, the, the actual structure of sermon, we can talk about that too, mm-hmm. if you want to. But that's, for me, that's the most important thing to say. All good sermons are are born out of a text of scripture. It's not me having a great idea and then finding a scripture that I think might accommodate that. Even if you preach a topical message, a sound topical message is born out of a, a, a out of a, a right understanding of a text of scripture. Yeah,
0: and just I'm sure most people already know this, but a uh, expository t- teaching is where you have six or eight, ten, twelve verses, and you're going through that line by line, verse by l- verse, s- telling your people this is what this is saying, this is what it means, this is the context, all the, uh, unfolding, all that you've dug out in your right. topical is coming up with an idea. Like uh, today, I want to talk about marriage and. Um, Genesis 1 has a little bit about marriage and then Revelation and then Jesus said that, you know, it's kind of going uh, through you and I, just just in case anybody's curious, you and I both are highly motivated towards the expositional kind of teaching, m- much more than topical. Both of us do topical sure. at times, um, but uh, oftentimes, you know, we're, we're, we are strong advocates f- for that. And, and so, and it changes how you study too. So if you're just going to do a, a sermon on marriage um, I mean I would if I was going to do a topical sermon on marriage I would go to Ephesians and, find, right. and, and and look at that text about husbands and wives and then just do an expository teaching on that that to me, that'd be, me too. that would be that would fit the topical
1: I think it's uh you know since we brought it up not to get in the weeds about it but there are three kinds of sermons you know really in biblical Christianity there's a topical sermon which is the most popular one you'll hear from most people preaching today. You have a textual sermon, which is kind of a mix of both. Like a textual sermon would be taking, you know, the two or three weeks before Christmas and preaching uh, from maybe from a few different texts about the coming of Christ or something like that. And then expository or expositional preaching is is basically just saying what the Bible says. Um, and so, but, you know, not to overstate what I, you know this point but even any topical sermon or any textual sermon the truths we have still have to be born from exposition if if anyone disagrees with me that's totally fine but to me I believe that a good topical sermon the idea comes from the scripture and then I'm going to talk about marriage because the danger there's many great topical sermons but the danger with topical sermons is saying what God says and saying some things you want to say too and representing it as this is what God's saying. I think we just need to make clear distinctions. You know, there are times when I preach and I would say this isn't in the Bible, but, you know, it's been my experience. I think that's a healthy way to do it. I never want to blur the lines between what God definitively has said because what I'm really doing is I'm mixing up application with exegesis, and if I if P, if I'm presenting everything like this is exposited from God's word, then I'm misrepresenting God wrong. In the application period of a of a sermon, um, it's okay to say, you know, this is what God's word says, and here's how it's bore out in my life, and here's what you can do with it. That's okay because that's my opinion, and and it's rooted in exegesis, and I believe it's probably helpful. But at least there's a little distance between. Me and the thus saith the Lord, the proclamation of God's infallible truth. That's right,
0: <clears throat> so good. The mm-hmm. my preparation just to fo- follow up on what you were saying about yours mm-hmm. would be uh, the prayerful consideration of the text that the Lord has put before me. Um, mm-hmm. And another good thing about expository teaching is normally you're in a book of the Bible. You're not just taking you know, like I'm going to take you know Matthew 13 verses eight through ten. Uh, but you've been in Matthew for a while, so <laughs> next Sunday you know right. I'm going to be. I know exactly where to go. Where in my topical sermons I've done in the past, I'd spend half the week trying to figure out what topic I want to preach on or what the Holy Spirit sure. trying to say. Uh, whereas with the expository, you have you have your text ready, so you can start. You know, early on, uh, you know, and even you know the one the prior sermon fits into the next text, so you got that. Um, you know, and I also say then you would cover areas that I would, as, as going through a book of the Bible, I would cover areas that I probably would not choose to talk about topically. Definitely. But it's, but it's, and, that's, and that's the whole thing with Paul's told Timothy, preach the word. That's right. You know, he didn't say preach ideas or pop psychology. He said, you know, preach the word. And to me, I, I, I interpret that as meaning, you know, be, be in the Bible, be, yes. be in the text. And so I, so I have the text before me. I, I read it 10, 12, 15, 20 times. I don't go to commentaries first because I believe that can skew what you're wanting to say. Because uh, commentaries, there's there's some such brilliant ones, I could I could learn to rely on them and not ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to me. Definitely. So I, I want it to be revealed to my heart first. I want it to preach to me before I preach to anybody. So I pray. I get preached to through reading it. Uh, then then I try to get the uh, a theme of it. Like what is this? Like for instance, next week I'm preaching from Psalm 34, and it's longer than I would normally do an expository teaching on uh, 22 verses. <laughs> but um, you know, so you could go, you could start at verse one and go all the way to verse 22. Like verse one says, "I will bless the Lord," but but what I like to do is um, I find, I find like a key to me that opens up. And for me, it's verse six, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. So that kind of leaped off the page to me and said, okay, I'm going to make that the theme of this talk. There could be other themes on it, right? but that's the one I'm going to choose. And I'm going to like, okay, so this poor man cried, but he's still blessing the Lord. This poor man cried, but he tasted and sees that the Lord is good. This poor man cried, but the Lord delivered him out of all. And so, so you have—so as I'm preparing this, I'm trying to find uh, ways to communicate it that people can clearly grasp hold Definitely. of. And I think probably the real skilled expository preachers can clearly take you from verse 1 to 22. I, I, I have Sometimes I have a little more struggle with that, so I try to find a, a little
1: help. Yeah, I think it depends on the text of Scripture, too. There are swaths of Scripture that, you know— It's helpful to have 20 verses because it's talking about, you know, five verses of teaching and then Paul gives a sort of like um, doxology in regard to it. It's probably better to take them all together, Um, you know, and so sometimes it makes more sense to preach two verses or 20 verses. And and these are places where we really just have to be led by God and and try to um, realize that you know the beauty of God's word is you can. There's even though there, it's one truth, there's so much that you could take from that psalm and and bear out for people, and and I think that's that's one of the things that makes it beautiful.
0: Yeah, the where I would go from then after that is I have so I have I have my, my main point. Um, we talked a little bit about Adam Robinson that wrote that great book on expository preaching. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he and he says, you know. Uh, he, he, you should have a, a, a bullet, not a, not a sprayed shotgun, you know, that, that, like a singular thought that you're going to try to get through to people. So I, cho- I choose a primary thought. Sometimes I have two or three, but normally I try to find one particular thought.
1: Pastor Joshua West here, co-host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I want to invite you to go to worldchallenge.org and listen to the latest sermon series from myself and from Gary Wilkerson.
0: And then break it down into sections like, okay, verse 1 through 5, he's kind of complaining. And then 7 through 9, he's rejoicing. And then 10 through 12, he's inviting the congregation to join him. So right. you're not know, going kind to of break it down like that. Then after that, lastly, and then I'll let you talk. I'm talking a lot here. No. Um, then I go to the commentaries. That's the last thing I do. Well, the last thing I go, I end the way I started. Pray, I pray over what I put together. Uh, but then I go to the commentaries. Which I think is I think is really important to do, and I, sometimes we we want to think in terms of our own cleverness, our own c- capabilities, uh, or the Spirit speaking to us, which we definitely need to do. That we need to get it for ourselves. Yes. But uh, commentaries have helped me so many times. I mean, I've uh, again going through the Book of Psalms, uh, chapter by chapter. I, w- I will do what I just explained to you, and then I'll read the commentary. I'll read four or five different commentaries, and I will go, man, I blew it. I just like every one of them is saying, it doesn't mean this. And I, that's right. that's about what I was about to preach. You know, And like, the Bible uh,
1: itself says wisdom is found on the counsel of many. You know, it's arrogant to think that, you know, more learned men, men that are godly men, um, even though we don't want to go to men before we go to God, right. um, that we can't benefit from their knowledge, especially in situations like where as a person like myself or yourself, I consider us probably more general practitioners of God's Word there's these men that have devoted their their life, their scholastic life, to the study of Psalms. Yeah, right. You know, and he's a man in the same sort of, you know, traditional theological um, branch as us. Why wouldn't I want to know what this man who has spent his whole life studying Psalms has to say about it? And then two or three other people. And it can be real encouraging, too, when when you're like—when you have done exegesis yourself— and you're like, did I come all right with the with the same thing? And then you go and say, this is what they're saying. You're like, man, you, it builds your confidence in, in understanding the Scripture. Like, yes, we are before—I didn't learn this from you, but you're bearing witness to what I just learned in the Scripture.
0: Yeah, and that's where the commentaries can help us quite a bit uh, in Psalms. And, and for other things, I really enjoy uh, Charles Spurgeon, particularly in Psalms, oh, The Treasury of David. Love it. Um, because, number one, the insight that he has of Scripture— and number two is his ability to communicate. Uh, just there's something about the previous generations than ours, and I don't want to get into weeds with this too much. But uh, just you know, there's a book. Out, it's called Why Johnny Can't Preach, and the basic premise of the book is because we don't have the words anymore. Right. Uh, we're, we're we're the Twitter generation. We're the you
1: 144 know, characters. Yeah. And yeah. so
0: you know, we when you go back and read the, the you know John Owen and others, the, the just the language that can, you know, it gives me a deeper description Definitely. of like what we read when we started this podcast from Corinthians chapter one, the deep things of God. I think it, it requires language to have the deep things of God. And so no uh, I would say another part of homiletics that I would encourage people to do is to expand your, your language and understand more about grammar, sentence structure, and, you know, put all that in your sermon.
1: One of my, uh, my Greek professor in seminary once told me years ago, he said, a great indication if you're going to be good at Greek is: Are you good at English? Oh
0: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, so if you can't under if you don't understand the structure of your own language, you're gonna have a really hard time understanding the structure of an, of a biblical language. And yeah. so I think even if you never you know for the layperson or you know um, even if you never get to where you're you know fluent in Greek or Hebrew or something like that, even though there's tons of resources to help you search these words out, um, you still should be able to understand what a sentence means. If if it's a if something's or being used as a verb, it's a verb, you know. Um, if there's a subject of the sentence, there's a noun, then that probably is, you know. I think we we don't think about it sometimes that way, but we want to know what the scripture is saying, and and I think it's important to remember that it's a language, and we, if we understand language better, we'll understand the deeper things. And I don't mean Greek; I mean English. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Things of God. Well, you and I both are very passionate about preaching. Uh, I think in our conversations in the past, we both said we can't really figure out: what, do we like preaching better or preparing for the preaching? <laughs> and I think we, we we love the study yep. and, and learning the things first, and then the the, the joy. But but uh, in the last five minutes we have, let's let's turn the table a little bit towards uh, the proclamation of the gospel. That, yep. that uh, you know, what are some ingredients of of uh, how to, how to deliver a sermon?
1: Definitely, I didn't uh, don't want to backtrack. I didn't give a like a mechanic as much as you did, but mine's pretty similar. You okay. know, the idea of uh, boiling, trying to boil it down to one idea. Even if you have a three-point sermon, you need a main point. A lot of times a solution for that or an implication of that becomes your your application. But I think one important thing before we, before we switch to the last part of it is to say that what hermeneutics or what homiletics really does, though, is gives us an opportunity if we have our exegesis right and we have our hermeneutics right, then we can rightly apply the Word of God to our lives, to situations, to culture, to other things. I think that the Apostle Paul gives us a very, very good framework in the New Testament. Many preachers today, sadly, start with practical application. How can I say something practical? And how can I find scriptural support to to empower this practical wisdom, sometimes even being secular, sometimes being... Okay, I mean, maybe it is a wise thing to say, but it's not the scripture and it's not what the scripture is saying. The apostle Paul did the opposite. Paul always drew what I like to say is a fence line of sound doctrine. And once that line was very well established, he would work practicality out inside the safe bounds of that fence line. And I think that's what we're called to do as preachers. we got to lay the doctrinal boundaries. Even though this sounds good and it makes your sermon, it brings it to a great revolution uh, resolution in the application, You're, you have to do damage to your exegesis and your hermeneutics to get there. That is not good preaching. Um, but, but once we have the doctrine firmly established, everything we work out in there, we can be sure about. And here's the best part— is it actually has real value in our life because we know it's rooted in the truth. Mm-hmm. Vague encouragement doesn't do anything but disappoint people. But encouraging people on something that's actually true is something that they can build on, and that's what the Scripture does. Uh, the last thing I'll say before we transition is this. As preachers, we're called to correct, rebuke, and encourage as we preach the Word. And so we don't decide which one of those things we're doing We introduce the truth and the truth decides based on the condition of a person's life and heart. If the truth is, sometimes in my life, the truth has been very encouraging. (laughs) There have been times that the truth has been corrective or rebuking and who I am and where I am, um, my heart condition, where I am in life, my lifestyle, those things will dictate how truth interacts with me. What, what the modern preacher wants to do is make everything encouraging. And what we end up doing is encouraging people in things that aren't very biblical yeah. and in the end aren't very helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, you said two things that I think just want to touch on briefly. Um, one is the, you know, just the, the, the encouragement there. It's, it's, good, it's good to encourage. One of the things that you just read, reprove, correct, and, and encourage. You know, but it's, it's kind of at the last. We tend, to, we tend to reverse that and put the encouragement up front, and then maybe at the end just sort of a subtle... Be careful that you don't avoid, you know avoid this or that, and uh, yes. it's not it's not real. Just it's not setting the trumpet to your mouth, definitely, and, and unashamedly preaching the the gospel. But uh, just uh, we only got about three minutes left. But uh, just each of us take a minute and a half, just to talk about when you go up to that pulpit. Um, you know, I, I think modern culture sees it as um, you know, okay, I hope this is really good, or hope it's entertaining, or hope people like it. When I get up in the pulpit, I see it as. As a sacred trust, I see it as a a fearful, holy moment. I, I mean, I'm 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 in fear and trembling in a good way of this. You know, I don't I don't take it lightly. I think, and you can kind of tell the difference. Like, even if you're not interested in the topic that the man is preaching, if if he has been at the altar seeking the Lord and he's and he's preaching the word, uh, man, I'm I'm undone. I'm just like. God, there's the presence of God is speaking through that man right now. And that's what I want. I want the gravitas, the weightiness of God to come in there. So that's that's how I prepare my sermons to, you know, not not to make sure I have a funny joke. I don't mind, I have sure. a decent sense of humor. I don't mind using humor, but I don't plan it. And I, I don't try to make a, like, hey, this is funny or entertaining, or here's a great hook, or here's a way to catch the audience. Or, you know, I think a lot of preachers learn how to, manipulate or move a crowd so they at the end of it they go like that's one of the best sermons i've ever heard but what impact does it really have on your life and is it biblical is it changing so I, I look for that and you know and then i'd say just my last thing would be uh to be yourself uh, don't try to preach like somebody else don't, no doubt. don't try you know if they do the if they're more emotional or something like that and that's, that can be you and i are a little bit more um you know both of us have passion and we, what we call fire in our bones, uh, but neither of us are sort of the pulpit pounding, scream and shout right. kind of guys. And sometimes when I'm listening to somebody preach like that, I kind of like, oh man, I wish I was had more. You know, you Substance. can misinterpret that as that's fire in your bones. Oh yeah, 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 but it's not. It's, it's no uh, doubt. It's it's and so be yourself. If you're quiet, communicate that way. If you're screaming and shouting kind of guy, you know, that's what God put in your heart do that, but don't try to be anybody else. And, That's good. So it's great advice. All, if you've done all the other preparation and uh, when you get in the pulpit and let God use you as he created you to be and let the word come out, then you're in good shape.
1: Definitely. the uh, There is nothing wrong with um, working on the art of communication. Right. You know, learning how to be a better communicator, going back and listening and, you know, do you go uh, a lot? Do you repeat yourself? Um but that's, in my opinion, is 5 to 10% of the effectiveness of a preacher. The preparation and reverence of who God is and His Word is, is the other 90%. That's right. And so, you know, I think we have to remember that preaching is aimed at three places. It's aimed—it is aimed at the mind, first and foremost. Right. You know, you have to use your mind to intelligibly reason things. It can't stop there, though. The It, it is meant to stir the emotions, there's nothing wrong with the idea of being passionate about something that's that's beautiful and important if it's real, like we're passionate about Jesus, you know, came to save sinners of, of whom I am one. That's something I'm very excited about, the fact that I get to communicate that to other people. But a man can can preach to the mind and a man can stir emotions. We have to realize that only God can hit that third component, and that's to pierce the heart. So while we preach things that are Understandable, concise, well organized. We we do want to have passion, not because it's superimposed, because we're trying to act passionate, but because it's actually relevant in our own lives. Um, We have to have faith that when we proclaim God's word, that only God can take His word and pierce the heart of a man. In the parable of the sower, it gives no direction to the sower much; it just says cast seed the the where where the change really happens is the condition of the soil that's between man and God, not the preacher. Um, but the the main thing that i I want to say about preaching is this, the attitude we have towards God's word is very clearly communicated by how we present it to other people. The thing, and I don't mean this in some arrogant or even like hard-hearted way, But I I purpose in my mind not to worry about how it's going to be received by people when I preach. That's important. All I'm concerned with, and I have to guard my heart. I have to make sure, am I falling? You know, this is something I'm constantly doing in prayer. But what I'm most concerned about is, am I representing God the way He wants to be represented? Am I being a faithful herald of the King? Do I fear the people I'm preaching to more than the one who sent me? And, and I don't mean that in just a, you know, just to preach hard things, to preach everything. Yeah. It's the faith and confidence that the power is in the Word of God and the anointing of God's Spirit, and that I'm just a humble vessel. Um, and, and the truth is there are many different men that we admire, that you listen to, or I listen to, or we follow their preaching, and some of them have slightly different theological slants. But the one thing they all have in common is they tremble at the mm. word of God, and you know that you know a man who not just intellectually trembles, but but kneels before <laughs> God and 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 is is brought to um, you know humbleness and contriteness over this word because as I'm preaching it, I've already rightly applied it to my life, and now I'm I'm just obeying God. You know, I had a person ask me um, one time, you know, how. And I don't you know, have the courage to preach that sermon. And I'm like, what's in the Bible? Yeah. How dare I not? You know, and I think that's the the problem is this idea of um, who am I really trying to to please, and and that's why I'll end with the first thing I said: preaching is proclamation. If I think I can make an improvement on what God said, first of all, I'm very very foolish. But second of all, it shows I don't have a lot of confidence. And the power of this word and for me personally this doesn't make the bible authoritative but it's through the word of god that god spoke to me and showed me that i was a sinner showed me that i desperately needed grace and that god transformed my life we can all take our eyes off that for moments at a time we can all put confidence in our flesh when we shouldn't but the truth is if we are centered in this as people but especially as preachers um, we, we'll communicate God's word well. Um, you know, we can improve on the way we present, the way we prepare, all of this sort of stuff. but but for me, the only thing I'm concerned about when I preach is did I represent God's word well? And if 50 people run to the altar in tears or if they just all look at me shaking their heads, as long as I was faithful to God's word, I know that I that I did the right thing.
0: Yeah, the last five minutes of what—not even five, the last four minutes of what you said—is worth the whole price of the podcaster today. It <laughs> was really powerful and profound. Hey, thanks for joining us today. As we talked about homiletics, we're going to continue on uh, the series. Uh, the next episode, we'll be talking about exegesis and eisegesis. What's the difference? Why is it important? And how can it help us in our not only our study of our Bible, but our faith walk with Jesus Christ? If you uh, want to dig in a little deeper about homiletics and preaching, we have a series at worldchallenge.org called Preaching with Power. We had Vodi uh Tony Evans, uh, Carter Conlon, R.T. Kendall, myself. We're putting it in a book form pretty soon, and Joshua wrote a, a chapter for us as well on that. That's probably going to be another six months before that book comes out. Uh, But uh, you can get the sermons that are online on YouTube. Uh, You can just do a a search on YouTube for Preaching with Power by World Challenge. Uh, Thanks for being with us again today. I hope it was helpful
1: ephesians 6 18 says that we should pray at all times in the spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication if you would like someone at world challenge to pray with you visit worldchallenge.org forward slash prayer or call us at 1-833-wc-praise again that's 1-833-wc-praise If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to do two things. First, share this with someone else. Second, click on the subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're using to listen to the show. That way you get notified when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time.